Hey, Bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's that podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today's bubble is full of woe as I welcome not one, but two tolerables, all set and ready to get ooky, kooky, and a little bit spooky. Thank you, Bex and Eric, for joining me today to talk about Netflix's original series, Wednesday. So hello, hello you guys. <laughs> that was a good hey. that was a good intro. That was really good. <laughs> I appreciate that. So um yeah, I want to just again say thank you guys for joining us and or joining me. <laughs> Plus the and all the listeners. And, and all the listeners. listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I want to thank you guys because you both individually reached out wanting to talk about this show. And I hadn't planned on it yet, but I was, once you both mentioned it, I was super excited. I was like, yes. So I've watched this now four times. I watched yes. it once with, nice. my, with my oldest and he really liked it. So yeah. So I'm excited to get talking about Wednesday on Netflix starring Jenna Ortega, Hunter Duhan, Percy Hines White, Emma Myers, Joy Sunday, and many, many more. So this is your spoiler warning slash brief synopsis. Uh, let's see. The series follows Wednesday Adams' years as a student when she attempts to master he, her emerging psychic ability, thwart and solve the mystery that embroiled her parents. Ooh. What I like to say about this series is that it's a goth Nancy Drew. <laughs> You're not wrong. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. So we'll go ahead and get started with our general thoughts. And Bex, what did you think of this series? Um, I loved it. I mean, obviously, that's that's why why I'm here. Um, I I was a little bit hesitant going in, just in that, like, okay, I loved the movies when I was a kid. Like those, that was kind of the Adams Family experience that I had. I knew of the show when I'd seen a little bit here and there, but like reruns weren't as common, <laughs> I guess, when we were kids. Is like you couldn't just access them anywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, but I had watched the movies and so I was like, all right, let's let's give this a chance. And I saw some good stuff coming across on my Twitter timeline. So, yeah, I was I was very excited to watch it. Um, I put it on and my my husband was here and he was I think he was reading something or doing something. I was like, do you mind if I watch watch something while we're we're here? And he's like, yeah, go for it, whatever. So I put this on just for me. And then like slowly but surely he started watching <laughs> along with me. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, I can get behind this. Mm-hmm. So I've only watched it twice. I have not watched it four <laughs> times, but <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. a little obsessive sometimes. When so. Jen when Jen gets into something, she she watches it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, so listen, weird. as an academic and I someone who researches pop culture stuff like yeah. you have to mm-hmm. you have to whether That's it's true. for a podcast whether it's for an article whatever it is you, yeah. you've got to understand that material right absolutely. Yeah. well sure absolutely there's a method to rem- there's a reason for your madness there is there is I'm, I'm not entirely sure what it is yet but it's it's there so uh eric what did you think what are your general thoughts on the series Oh, man. I, I mean, I really enjoy it. It's a very fun show. It's a kooky show, you know? It's It, it, it can be sometimes a little predictable, you know? But that's what I kind of like about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, some things are just a little over the top, but I think they're really meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately, it's 
it's an Adams family show without it being about the Adams family. And I love that the pro- they chose the primary focus of the show to be about a teenage Wednesday. And I just I, I really loved how Jenna Ortega just embodies this character, the people that she's surrounded with at Nevermore, and just how they bring out different sides of her throughout, you know, throughout throughout the course of the show. It's just a fun watch. And anyone who takes something like this too seriously, I don't know. I have I, there there might be some uh there might be some questions that I have for them, but I think overall. If you go into Wednesday with an open mind, you're going to be very satisfied with what you're watching. And you'll want to do what we all did is talk about it and watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I really, oh my God, I enjoyed this series a lot. And I didn't, I, I knew a little bit that they were working on a Wednesday series and mm-hmm. this and that, but I didn't follow it too closely and it wasn't until Eric you sent the first like teaser trailer where I was like, mm-hmm. all right, this could be all right. Um, mm-hmm. so I wasn't I, I wasn't like overly hyped or overly excited about it. So when I watched it, I just instantly fell in love. I was like, this is like a perfect mix of fun uh references, Easter eggs, creating the character in this whole kind of new light in a way that we haven't really seen her before. Like you said, Eric, it's an Adams family show without being centered around the Adams family. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Yes, I agree. Some parts were predictable, but it, that didn't bother me at all. It, I, it's not really a series that needs to go too deep with its twists and turns. Yeah. I, I but watched... at the same time, like I didn't fully predict the end result. Like I, I was like, oh, it's probably this. It could mm-hmm. be this. And like, mm-hmm. you sure. know. I, I there were suspicions that I had, but I felt like it was playing around with it enough that it could have done something different if they wanted to, and it wouldn't have been absurd yeah. or I'm more so- absurd than it's supposed to be. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> no, I agree. And it's because I watched it with my with our oldest, our eleven year old, and it was like it's it was perfect for him. And yeah, it's like Bexie said, like he could kind of get an idea of where things were going, but he wasn't completely sold on it. So when the the twists and everything were revealed, there was still an element of like surprise. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's just, it's a lot of fun. I thought the casting was great. I love, I just, I loved it. And I don't, I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did and end up watching it four times. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. We've got some, we've all got our various talking points to get to. So we'll go ahead and get started with Bex. What is the first thing that you would like to bring up about this series? Oh, well, I've, I started by making some notes on your points. So um, I, first I want to say, oh, to both Tyler and Xavier, like, oh, or, or maybe more like meh. Meh is probably the more appropriate response for me. I just, I was not attached to either of them. I had no interest in either of them as love interest. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm team Enid all the way anyway yep. <laughs> for, for that. Um, but, and I know some of it was intentional because you're trying to like play around with the, like the audience's reaction to them and like, do they like one or do they like the other? But they're kind of just both meh. They're mm-hmm. both middle of the road Mm -hmm. whatever 
and like they've got good and they've got bad and they've got and so it works well with the whole idea of playing around with them um like which one is the is the monster because you're like well i know it's gotta be it's probably one of them right mm-hmm. I mean, it might not be but it's probably and and so I'm, I'm assuming that's part of the intention behind it but i just wasn't really attached to either one of them <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I did really, I'm still a little baffled about the whole Tyler and Xavier and then also like her feelings towards Xavier versus Tyler. And I get that it's, you know, showing it's, Wednesday and pre, you know, in teenage. Right, right. You know, kind of boy stuff or whatever. But I, I, at the same time, I was a little like, how nice is it? right there. Is it? Exactly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> love Enid so much so I yeah I guess yeah I would agree they're both they're both kind of meh they both have their meh I did I did like though that they um with the Bianca character I was really worried they were gonna super fall into that trope of like the girls being catty with one another and this and that and like you have a an initial piece of that but it doesn't permeate the whole series and that's something that like that trope bothers me right i don't need Mm -hmm. girls against girls pit i'm I'm not here for that and it's like yeah we we each have our own issues and we're not communicating those issues to each other because we don't know each other Mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it like they have each other's back or like you know she's she goes to get help and she sees bianca she you know like all of these things they didn't play too heavily into that girl enemy trope that that's there Mm -hmm. um yeah and i also i love eugene eugene is my baby eugene (laughs) i i will want to talk about him more later in detail but i just wanted to drop that out here Uh, (laughs) he's just yes he i must protect him right Mm -hmm. um and then the other thing real quick about like um this idea of i think you had suggested something about living in the shadow of her mom but I kind of took it in a different direction I read something really interesting online about you know um, the goodbye scene when they're dropping her off and her brother gives her a big hug and her dad hugs her and her mother doesn't and Wednesday doesn't like to be hugged Mm -hmm. her mom is respecting her boundaries there right it's that that is showing like her love in her own way, in a way that she's like, oh yeah, Wednesday, she's not a super affectionate person physically. So I don't know, like I didn't read that as her mom being cold and distant, but more like respecting who she was and understanding that that lack of interest in hugs. So I didn't even think about that. That's actually yeah. a really solid point that you just made there because throughout the in, throughout a, the course of the series, you know, there's people who are trying to have more uh, kind of like an, a show of physical affection towards Wednesday with hugging her. You know, we got like mentioned her father, her brother and Enid especially. <laughs> um, and I, I guess that's something I didn't really catch was the boundaries that Morticia was respecting for her daughter. And that's a really one one really good catch and two really uh really good sign of respect that she has for her daughter despite her daughter lashing out being a you know a teenager and doing all that and but 
Yeah, that's that's a really good point you made there, Bex. I think that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought so too. I mean, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, I know, and I will say, even though Enid always wants to hug her, she does like catch herself she and respects. step back. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I hadn't really noticed that, although I did kind of notice in one of their goodbye scenes. I think it was after like Parents' Day. Uh, Wednesday does take a step closer towards Morticia and Morticia just does like little air kisses. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was a really nice, sweet sign of Wednesday being open to the affection levels that she's comfortable with. I hadn't really pieced together the, you know, obviously with, with Enid, that's obvious that no hugging, no hugging, but yeah, with Morticia, I hadn't picked up on that. So I'm glad that you did. And you mentioned it. And I only mentioned the living in the shadow, just like at Nevermore and gotcha. what Wednesday thinks her parents' expectations are of her, or maybe th those are the pressures that Wednesday puts on herself. Like I think a lot of teens can do. They think their parents want them to grow up to be like them and to do the things that they did. So I just overall thought it was a really cool way to show Wednesday, this character Wednesday, that a lot of people have known since the original TV series to see her in this different light. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And yeah. And Eric, what did you think about Wednesday and normie teen stuff here at Nevermore? I thought it was very well played. Um, it's kind of exactly what I would expect from a character like Wednesday, you know, to be kind of the, uh, the lonely goth, you know, and just the, being more self-reliant. And um, I, I think it's very, very well fitting for her character. But at the same time, it was also her, you know, when we're teenagers, this is when we're starting to really learn a little more about ourselves, especially when it comes to things like friendships. And that we think that when we're teenagers, we're untouchable and we can do whatever we want. But she's really learned throughout the course of this show that she can trust and uh, rely on other people and not kind of feel like overcrowded by it. Um, so just like I said before, seeing this version of Wednesday Adams is really, I think, something special that I'm very, very fortunate that in our lifetime we got to see. Um, because until this show was announced, I never thought we were going to get any more real solid Adams family style content ever again. And because the Adams family, they're 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 classics when it comes to pop culture, but it was starting to feel like it was becoming a thing of the past and nobody was really paying attention to them much anymore. And then Tim Burton comes out, announces this show with Netflix, and all of a sudden interest is just booming. And I'm I can't wait to see where they go with this. I really hope that, you know, with season two and those beyond. I hope the story just kind of continues and rolls off the next one because I think it would be weird to see her like transit like us going from like her first year at Nevermore and then like two years later and then so far and so far, you know? Um, so I don't know. I guess that's just kind of my opinion and my take on it. So <laughs> Yeah, it's um gosh, I was I had something I was gonna say while you were but in response to something you had mentioned, but I didn't jot it down because I was like, oh remember. 
<laughs> I love that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I was thinking of is when you, you're talking about seeing Wednesday as a teenager, if you think back to the original television sh- series, she's just a, a like a young girl. Mm-hmm. And then in the films, it's kind of that preteen era as well. Mm-hmm. So not that you would put them all together chronologically like that, but you can see that they're giving us something new each time. They're sort of progressing the characters sure. in the story along. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Sure. Of course. Not yeah. just keep it. The the series could have, he could have easily have just kept her at like the same age as Christina Ricci was when she did her movies, you know? So yeah, that's a good point too. So. Sure. And, and I remember now, so, you know, I agree that it's nice that we have this, new version of Wednesday and the Adams family through this live action, fairly family friendly TV series. I will say that to their credit, the animated movies that came out a few years ago, those are really, really cute. And I enjoyed those a lot more than I thought I was going to. I wasn't really expecting a whole lot, but I was like, there's still a lot, plenty of little Easter eggs and nods to Adam's family and Wednesday's past and the voice cast. uh, I looked it up. I can't remember who's all in it, but I was pretty impressed with it. And so I was like, and, and the kids enjoyed it. So I think that if folks haven't seen it, haven't seen them, give them a chance. Because there's that would be me. (laughs) Yeah, there's still like plenty of like Adam's family vibes and values (laughs) to it. And they're not as and I think there's, um, you know, again, a lot of talk about the stigma of animated movies and cartoons and that they're just for kids and this and that. And that's while this those movies are that's their target audience. There's still plenty there for adults to enjoy with or without children present. So definitely give them a chance they're really good but i would agree that i think there's always a bit of pushback whenever something that's held deeply in in fans hearts so there's always a little bit of that and i i feel like maybe the animated movies experience some of that but people were very open and receptive to this the netflix original series and i'm so glad and i'm so glad we get another season and because i do really like this version of Wednesday she's we see her flaw we see her kind of make mistakes um like she she seems like we she shows up at Nevermore and she does have this ego and arrogance to her and I would agree that that first kind of face-to-face with Bianca there's a little bit of kind of that snide mean girl territorial kind of thing but mm-hmm. during this last rewatch it I'm and I'm glad that they didn't play into it, but it's almost like, you know, Bianca's gonna have a bit of that, I think, naturally. So Enid lays it all out that she's kind of the 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 queen uh of Nevermore or what have you, however she put it. Um, but Wednesday is more of the aggressor. She's got her defenses up. And mm-hmm. so it's not coming from Bianca. And I've read a few things that try to su- tried to suggest that the series was playing into that trope of the mean girl. They made the black girl, the mean girl, but she wasn't, she was Mm. just kind of feeding off of the energy that Wednesday was putting out. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I totally didn't. I did not get that kind of vibe from that at all. So. uh. And they quickly kind of reconcile and they have that nice moment during the dance Mm -hmm. and everything. And things are Mm -hmm. 
they they proceed with caution from there with each other. And what they also do, and what is why I love TV shows over movies, although, you know, I do like movies too, is that they're able to develop her character a little more. Like we get the scenes with her mother. And so we can understand why she might be a bit more standoffish and like hesitant to just believe and accept new people into the fold because she's seen what happened to her mother as a result of being open to anyone. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there was talk about that with the Bianca character and then also with the Lucas Walker character, the son of the mayor. And again, the, the bully people were trying to say that they made the two black characters, like the mean girl and the bully, but these are two of the kind of more side characters that get the most growth. Lucas does a 180 and he decides he wants to try and do better. And we see that Bianca has always been a nice person, but she too has her defenses up, like you said, Bex, because of what she has seen with her mother and we get that context and everything. So Mm -hmm. that was just kind of one of the little controversies with this series. Another was with some of the casting. (laughs) (laughs) which I laugh about because holy shit tell me you don't know the Adams family without telling me you don't know the Adams family listen so I have a friend I have a friend who's Puerto Rican and he said his biggest beef was that they made the family Mexican because Gomez Adams has always been Puerto Rican in his mind (laughs) so I love that (laughs) that's good yeah yeah but it's like yeah, their last name might be Adams, but um, they've always like Gomez has always been yeah. Latino. Like mm-hmm. it's just not a question, you right. know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So obviously, I don't have a problem with any of that. I think that's fantastic, and I, in fact, like mm-hmm. that they brought more of the culture into it than we've seen in the films and and even in the TV show. Right that that they're allowing for that culture to be a part of who Wednesday is and not just it's her father's thing and, and they're sort of outside of it. Um, So that was, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In in terms of the, the, the making them a Latino family anyway, I thought obviously that Mm. I I just like, I didn't even question it in the least. So I assume that's what you were talking about, about controversy there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was there was that and then the casting of Luis Guzman as Gomez because he didn't look like the Raul Julia. Raul Nobody Julia. looks like Raul Julia. I, <laughs> I know. But the fact that, you know, they went with more of that original comic look mm. and, mm-hmm. you know, some more of the animated series. And so people were all pissed. They like what they like. That. They like what they know. And mm. yeah, you can see like, I, I mean, it's just a change, but it's not meant to be a continuation. It's meant to be its own thing. And if you go into that with that open mind, like, why not? So, yeah. yeah. But but that's that's the problem, Bex, is that we there's too many people out there who are afraid of that kind of change. And it's just the idea of that of people not accepting progress and not just for lack of better words, just accepting things just for how they are. Um, and it's just like people, like we just mentioned, nobody looks like Raul Julia. And that's, I mean, no one's ever going to, in my opinion, no one's ever going to be like, no one's ever going to play that role like, like, like Raul Julia does. But Luis Guzman with the few, with the few minutes of screen time overall, we got with him. He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. What an easy, and I have, I've have seen Luis Guzman's movies. I mean, 
he's more you know like you know carlito's way and he's done a lot a lot of those more like mobster movies uh well he's done a couple of them in the past but he's he's a very very good rounded well-rounded actor he's so much fun to watch and like jen says or said um is i think what tim burton was going for here was a more comic book accurate portrayal of the characters from the original comic strips and if you look at the character of gomez for instance in those comic strips and you look and you put it side by side with louise guzman you see exactly where he was going with it you know Um, no yeah i think i think louise guzman was was definitely i i thought it strange at first but again because of that association but i was like let's see what happens with it let's and then he played the role and i was like oh yeah that works I mean, you may, it makes you think about your childhood and the things you and the media you grew up with as a kid. And all of us are, I'm assuming, right around the same age. And I would assume all of us have seen the Adams family at Adams Family Values when we were growing up and associate that character with Raul Julia. And same thing with Morticia with Angelica Houston, you know, and Ka- and, and Catherine Zeta Jones. Hold on, first off, how awesome was she in this show? Catherine Zeta-Jones killed it as Morticia. Oh, I loved it. Now, she was actually, for me, more questionable than Louise Guzman, just because I'm not as familiar with Catherine Zeta-Jones' work, but I the, the main thing I know about her is that she's married to Michael Douglas and that she did a movie about being a spy back in the 90s. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much more than that. But just the way she the way that she carried herself as Morticia and the way I, I did not compare her Morticia with Angelica Houston's just like how I didn't compare her. Louise Guzman's with Raul Julia's. She brought her own spin on the character while also carrying what I would be considered to be the class, the mm-hmm. apps, you know, the class of the character, just the absolute like presence that, that, that she brings into the, brings on, onto the screen with her. Uh, Morticia Adams is just a very well-defined character and I feel like she was just meant to play the role I would say it it just it works for her I don't know um it did it definitely did work yeah yeah Yeah, I agree I love I I love what both Louise and uh Catherine brought to these like I I just not a lot of screen time like Eric said, mm-hmm. but their standout portrayals of these classic characters and really kind of making them their own, but still familiar. I thought they did a great job. I really, I no issues with the casting and yeah, it just, it works and yeah. it's still different and but familiar. And it's like, yeah, when we go back and we watch these shows and stuff, these like reboots or whatever, the issues that people have with the change when we revisit nostalgia, it's something I think like we kind of have to look into ourselves. Like, why does this bother me or why does this bother us? Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to say that I guess because I wasn't super vested initially when the show was first announced and everything, and I didn't follow it super closely. Like I didn't, I I didn't feel like I was disappointed in any way. I was still pleasantly Mm -hmm. surprised and really was able to enjoy everything. And I, I do try to make a conscious effort not to get hung up on those things, but yeah. I think there's mm-hmm. always going to be a little bit of that knee jerk reaction of, 
you know, they're going to remake Care Bears. You're like, why? <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but one thing I think really worked was that in in casting Luis Guzman and um, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, like they made it very clear up front. We're not trying to recreate who we cast before. We are trying right. to make its own thing. And that's that's going to find better success nine times out of 10 than trying to recreate what already existed and having people like it's why, you know, the doctors in Doctor Who all have their own personalities. That works better than like if the second doctor had come in trying to be like the first doctor, that show never mm-hmm. would have kept going. Mm-hmm. Right. No, and, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah good example. And this is its own thing, too. So I, I think in terms of the other casting, I one of the people I was most hesitant about was uh, Fred Armisen mm. <laughs> yeah. as as uh, Uncle Fester. I I wasn't sure how that was going to go over, but um, but I like it. And, you know, it works because he is um, a, he's from I think he was born in Venezuela or he he's his mother was Venezuelan or something. So like he has that Latino element that he can bring to the character as well, which fits in that idea of not whitewashing the cast when the family is supposed to be at least, you know, because he's Gomez's brother, mm-hmm. that they are. um that they are Mexican in in this particular series. Uh, my favorite though is that like we got to the end of the first episode and I was like, wait, Christina Ricci was in this. So my husband just looked at me and he's like, yeah, she was the, the the like the door mom. And I was like, oh right. But the thing is to me, like I haven't seen her in anything in a while. We just started watching Yellow Jacket, so now I'm seeing her with like that short blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'd always seen her with like the dark straight hair and everything, and so I like I it just did not register. And the glasses too, I think, changed yeah. my perspective of her. Um, but I I really liked her casting, and I thought it was a lot of fun that they brought her back into it. They had some nods to her, but like at the same time, I know Jenna Ortega said like I specifically didn't go back and watch those mm-hmm. movies because I didn't want to like copy her. Right. I wanted to mm-hmm. to bring my own thing to it. Um, and and then I think the other casting piece that I really liked was uh, Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, oh, yes, <laughs> as the principal, oh. like she was amazing yeah. there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, with Fred Armisen, I was, uh, same thing, I was a little, like, apprehensive about it, but I have to admit, he's got to be one of my favorites. I loved his version of Uncle Fester, and it seemed very much of a throwback to the TV series and not the the movies with Christopher Mm -hmm. Lloyd and that kind of huskier voice. They went with that higher-pitched, almost goofier tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It worked. I loved it. Yeah. Eric, what did you think? Uh, it's funny you say that because the first time I watched uh, this series, um, I was not really sure what to make of Fred Armisen as the uh, casting professor because, again, going into it as a lifetime lifelong fan of the Adams family, Christopher Lloyd, that was my, uh, you know, that, that was my fester. But you had mentioned earlier about the animated series and the animated movies and in those movies, Fester even has that higher pitch voice, you know, and I really like the job that the voice actor did uh, with portraying Fester in those films. So the first time I watched this, 
I was just like, ah, Fred Armisen, okay, Portlandia, sure, I guess. See, but, but Los like... Spookies, Fred Armisen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. But like, it, it really took the second watch for me to really appreciate how well he played the character. Because Fred Armisen's a really good actor. He he really is. And he's such a good comedian. And um, if you're familiar with his work, then you could see a little bit of him, a little bit of himself coming out in every character that he does. And that's exactly what he did here in uh uh in Wednesday. And um to comment also on Vex on what you said about Christina Ricci. So one of my talking points, Jen, was uh is titled uh, oh, and Bex, I, I titled my talking points because I like to be all dramatic about it. I, I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. No, no issues with being extra on this podcast. So, um, so this one I, I, I just labeled Passing of the Torch uh, from Christina to Jenna. And I didn't take a whole lot of notes on it, but I just kind of wanted to comment on it on how I think it's one so cool that Christina Ricci was very supportive of this of this series from the very beginning. She was very supportive of the casting and her and Jenna got to, even though Jenna didn't go back and watch the movies like you mentioned, because I don't think she did, but her and Christina actually got did sit down with each other to talk about the character. And Christina wasn't trying to push off on Jenna how she likes the character to be portrayed. She, Christina basically wanted to know how did Jenna want to portray this character? And she was, from what I understand, she was super, super supportive of it. And I think it's really cool that someone who nearly 30 years ago portrayed one of the most iconic childhood characters from our generation has given, I don't want to say give her blessing. I I don't know what that sounds to me. That sounds a little weird, but basically has been given the thumbs up. Like, yeah, this, this, this kid's going to do all right. You know, exactly. (laughs) There you go. It's the respect there between mm-hmm. two actors that I think is just really, really cool. Two actors from two completely different generations. So it's just awesome to see that, you know? So I'm very happy that Christina Ricci is happy with the way that the character has uh, has developed. And I think she's very supportive of the direction of this show. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love... I, I don't think I knew Christina Ricci was supposed to be in this and from what i've read it was actually going to be thora birch but then thora birch had to leave and uh i'm for whatever reason so then they brought in christina ricci and i kind of uh they kind of it sounded like like they didn't give the character that thora birch was supposed to play to christina ricci but the little bits Mm -hmm. that i read it sounds like they were very similar but the ending still was changed from what they originally had i don't know oh wow um okay that seems like a key piece that they would have had ready from the beginning so yeah that's and i was like that's what i thought too at first and i was like that's way to keep that secret i guess i don't know if that was like Mm -hmm. well known during all the promotional stuff but um but yeah i love that she popped in and i i would say that it does kind of feel like she is quote giving her blessing that is a weird thing to say but yeah definitely that passing of the torch the exchanges between miss thornhill and wednesday i loved it um and it was just like my only note about it was just queen christina ricci our goth queen of the 90s has mm-hmm. returned <laughs> and as someone who's goth. very not goth and you know like <laughs> character is just yeah she's awesome though and i think that's great thing about her too is like 
yeah, maybe she was a goth queen of the 90s, but like now we can see in these different roles that she has how versatile an actor she really is. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then Gwendolyn Christie. I mean, she's just been fucking killing it lately between this series, uh, Sandman, and there was one other one, too. I swear to God, I can't think of it. But I I love that newer series. Um, Something between Game of Thrones and now, I think, but I could be making that up. I've been watching a ton of shit, but. Um, oh yeah, because she was in like the newer, some of the newer Star Wars movies as. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Phasma, whatever. Captain Phasma, Phasma, yeah. Um, so I love that she is getting just all sorts of recognition. She keeps popping up in things that I've been enjoying, and I wish her all the best. And I loved her look. In reading that, Principal Weems' look was based off of Tippy Hedren in The Birds, with the hair. And oh. kind of the dress suits. I thought that was a nice little That's cool. nod, homage to kind of horror of the past. Yeah. And there's I like a, that. Yeah. And there's so many different, like I've said, Wednesday references, Adam's family references, but we also have a Carrie reference, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Um uh out of the references that you guys picked up on. Did you have any favorites or ones where you're just like, I love that so much? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I picked a few, but there's there's one that, well, I guess there's two. There's two. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first one is Pilgrim World. And just like the existence of Pilgrim World. (laughs) Because that Thanksgiving Uh. skit scene from Adam's Family Values. um, There was a second one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that scene i actually pulled that up because my husband had never seen these films and i i opened it up i was like no you gotta watch this it's great (laughs) just watch this whole thing devolve and so like bringing in pilgrim world i was like yes i like that that's a good one that had to have been a bit of a homage to family values i like to think so i would think so too and i just loved how she worked at the ye old fudgery (laughs) <laughs> and she scares off the german tourist group with uh, uh with giving her the uh the telling them the truth of what yeah. happens and, yeah uh that, that was good yeah for me i don't know i didn't really think of uh any kind of uh throwbacks or anything like that to the originals um if i think of one i'll i'll, I'll intervene and let you know but for right now it's nothing that i that's that's coming off the okay. top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have one one more big one that like to like there were a couple little ones that were cute, but the other one was I forget which episode it was, but there was something that she said like that it was in reference to being really hungry or something. She's like, uh, something about eating a Girl Scout for breakfast. Yes, yes. And that one oh. was was back to the original to the Adams Family movie, uh, where the girl is selling the cookies and she's like, "Would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies?" And once he's like. Are they made with real Girl Scouts? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes. Love it. That's a good one. Fun <laughs> fact with that, I just learned this today when I was like trying to make sure I had which movie it came from. Um, the Girl Scout in that movie is the same girl who plays the the blonde Amanda. Amanda, yeah, from the camp in the mm-hmm. second movie. <laughs> same actress, but different character. Different characters. But I like to think that. In in my mind, in my head canon, they are the same character. <laughs> At least as why sisters not? or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I loved that one. The Carrie reference. Um, the ones that I kind of quickly jotted down, 
right at the beginning in, in episode one, right when she's getting ready to drop the piranhas in the pool, that little smile that she gives just as a nice kind of throwback to just the few times Christina Ricci's Wednesday smiled. Mm-hmm. And it was always kind of like a, like a, like, Oh, type of moment. <laughs> like yeah. if there was like a live studio audience or something, <laughs> you would get that. Ooh. Like in um, Adam's family values where they, where she comes out of that little shack and then she smiles for all the campers yes. and everyone's yep. like, screaming. <laughs> yeah. or, or at the end of the, the, the play. And after she's, uh, she's getting ready to light everything on fire. She cracks a smile too. So oh, nice. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And that scene with the piranhas right before him, when she finds her brother, where he's got the apple in his mouth, that's something she did to him in the original movie as well. Like, but it was like Wednesday's character tied him up and put an apple in his mouth. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think, yeah. In the original, in the first movie. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The first one. <laughs> uh, Jenna Ortega's Wednesday also sleeps with her arms crossed after she has been knocked unconscious and she wakes up like be in the like nurse's room or hospital mm-hmm. or something. She's laying there. She's got her arms crossed. God. And just the, the female truck driver, I guess that was supposed to be a large Marge reference to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, Pee-wee? Really? That's, yeah. what, oh, that's wow. what I thought, too. I was like, <laughs> that's, that's giving me Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, totally, man. totally. Tell large Marge sent you. I yep. love it. <laughs> and then, of course, just all the snapping. I loved all the intermittent snapping, the double snaps. I did think it was kind of funny that, like, to access the Nightshade's secret lair, uh, you just had to snap twice in front of some random statue that everyone passes. I'm like, what if someone like, randomly snapped? Like, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. By. They just got their earbuds in and they're just like, ah, and then it's an old God, there's exactly. a door. <laughs> that's that's how you get into the club. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Um, and then there was like a in the Gates house, there was like a moving bookcase, which I took that as a reference to the moving bookcase in the Adams family house that led down to their treasure and stuff. So, oh, I mean, you know, I think but I, moving I, bookcases I, are always awesome. <laughs> exactly. I want I, I kind of hope your bookcase moves because that would be super cool, Bex. But in you too, so, uh, Eric, I, I did just think of one and uh, I did write it down. So um, and I think this might be the only like homage thing that I wrote down for the only for the show. But did you know that the original that the front entrance to Nevermore was actually designed to pay tribute to the original Adams family house? Oh, mm-hmm. I did not so, know that. Yeah. So it's designed to replicate their their original entrance. And if you're looking at, if you actually compare the two side by side, they're near identical. So the rest of the school is its own is its own structure, but it so that is a pretty cool tribute, I think, that uh, Tim Burton uh, uh, threw out there for the original movie. That is cool, and and the I guess the one last thing I just want to say, and that's not necessarily an Easter egg or anything, but with the gazebo in town in in Jericho, I feel like they are actually in Stars Hollow. That looks like oh, the downtown yeah. of Stars Hollow with the gazebo. I think even. I don't know. One of the interior shots of, I think, like <laughs> diner or something. I was like, that's Luke's. <laughs> now, I'm just, now I'm just getting this idea of um, Taylor co- coming out of his shop and seeing like the statue melting and just being oh like, oh, my God. I was just telling Jen before you came on, Bex, that last night my wife and I watched like nearly like eight and a half hours worth of Gilmore Girls. So <laughs> Ooh, that's a show that like, well, I enjoyed it while it was on. I don't know if it well, maybe I didn't to be fair, I didn't go back and watch it, but when they did the the like four episode seasonal yeah. like that, mm-hmm. I was like, mm, 
I don't know. No, because I was just like, they're kind of whiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. view, my view of the series of Gilmore Girls is definitely I'm on the other end age wise, I think, or just perception wise, because yeah, now I'm just like Lorelai's the worst. Rory's the worst. Uh, I understand Emily more. <laughs> Isn't it always? But yeah, it's... Isn't it always funny how it always seems to come back to Gilmore Girls some way? It doesn't matter what we're talking about. It can always come back to Gilmore Girls. It was that fucking gazebo. I swear to God, they were, they were on the Gilmore Girls lot. But um, let's see. Anything else you guys want to have to just get off your chest? You're just like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for this moment. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, just another, this is another quick talking point that I had, and it's about Gomez and the influence that he's had on Wednesday and just how, just how great I think it is. She has that moment where she's visiting him in jail and first she kind of makes, pokes a little fun at him saying that or like orange is not your color or something like that. But, you know, he talks about how he th- was like, you know, he didn't think he was that great of a father and what, and, you know, and it's like, he kind of feels like he let them down. And then she makes a comment to him just about how, you know, when she went, when she was young, he taught her how to fence and how to do all these different things and how she looked up to him and looked at him as the influence for her strength. And I thought that was just a really, really sweet bonding moment between those two characters. And I also love all the different nicknames that he has for her throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got the best nicknames for Wednesday. You know, my, my little death trap, my little rain mm-hmm. cloud, my little scorpion, my little viper. It's <laughs> great nicknames for kids. I'm sorry. I love them. Um I just think it's really cool to see this just this father daughter relationship. And even though we're starting this whole series is take place in her teen years, you get that, you know, they let you know that they've always had this tight bond with each other and she's always admired her father. And I think that's just really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I did say like... I've got I've got two other topics, but I'll bring up the the, the lighter one first. Um, yeah. And that's going back to Eugene, my yes. child. Right. Um, he. So here's the thing about me. I'm a sidekick girl. Like if there's a show and it's got two characters and one is the lead and one is the sidekick, you know, hero, whatever. I will 100 percent of the time all my like attention will go to the sidekick like Samwise way better than Frodo like he's just my baby (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) um and so like Eugene is that sort of sidekick character to me and he's just the little brother that like hopefully that noise isn't coming through I'm sorry Mm -hmm. there's a motorcycle right outside Ah, (laughs) but I think Zoom has gotten better with like drowning out background noises so yeah Uh, anyway sorry (laughs) um and I just I love like his little bee hut and he's just out there trying to save the bees and all of that and and there's that whole scene where she's like oh you know you're not gonna tell or whatever and he's like you know snitches get stung Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's hive code yeah it's just like (laughs) hummers stick together (laughs) hummers stick together (laughs) like all of this and and just Wednesday's 
that to me is Wednesday's first true friend, mm-hmm. right? Even more than Enid, because she and Enid go through their their issues and their drama first. But with Eugene, there's always like Something they just kind of get each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and then she's there like sitting by his hospital bed and like his mom's come in and are just like, oh, this is the best. Like you're he he was always talking about you. And it's just like, I just want to wrap him up in a big hug and protect him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love Eugene was absolutely adorable. And when I was watching it with uh, our oldest son, he was like, if Eugene dies, he's like that. this show We riot. Garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to, you know kept my mouth shut so when eugene comes back at the end there and helps defeat uh the baddies and everything i also love that taking down the baddies for the season was a group effort and not just a wednesday effort and i thought Mm -hmm. that was very very cool to see but yes i was so oh eugene i was oh my heart and (laughs) he's in the hospital and he's got his like bumblebees and his like buzzy wuzzy babies he calls them like oh my god could he get more adorable but and wednesday being very insistent that fester does not eat the bee yes (laughs) like that is something and that's that to me again is like that true friendship is like Mm -hmm. no it's not like i don't care like you might be family but you're not touching eugene's bees because he is my family too Mm -hmm. (laughs) right I love that kind of instant connection that she had. And again, from this teenage Wednesday that has these defenses up, that is right away trying to find ways out of nevermore ways to escape. And here she just kind of instantly connects with someone that, you know, she says that reminds her of her brother sans the wanting to strangle him all the time. But I still think that's her affectionate, her way of being affectionate towards her brother. Mm -hmm. Like that's special between her and Pugsley so it was that so yes it was that kind of building that relationship that family quote family connection with eugene and bringing him in under her dark cloud and everything so Mm -hmm. it was it was just really fun to see wednesday navigate how to be a friend and how to do these things and how to help people and showing people that she how she cares in her own wednesday way and i think even weems or someone calls her out on it as someone who says they don't care you sure are going to great deal of lengths showing that you care Mm -hmm. yep and and i just i loved seeing that out of this character yeah i think the only character that i i loved more than eugene was enid (laughs) and and i think you know sure enid is dating the ajax Ajax, yes i love him he's he's like of that group of them he's the the best one he's my favorite there but i still like i can't look at enid and not see her as queer coded right like there's <laughs> i i just I, you know even something as simple as like her hair mm-hmm. like the colors of her hair sort of fitting in with that like the trans flag colors um her parents referring to her as a late bloomer mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a big thing she it's a werewolf, right? Yes. Yep. She dresses up as a cat, right? Then there's like being something that she she's not presenting as, right? And like her whole thing about her mom wanting to send her to werewolf conversion camp, like yep. yikes, that's the biggest yeah, in your face one. Big. But oh, yeah, sure. But yeah, I think that that her character is really it has so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how you all feel about Enid. But... 
I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, you make some really solid points about Enid. You absolutely do. Um, you know, as far as her sexuality goes, I don't really, I, it's actually something I didn't think about too much, but until now, you're right. The signs are there. And again, we're talking about teenagers. They're learning more about themselves. So this could, you know, her, you know, crush or whatever that she has on Ajax, you know, this could just be her trying to figure herself out, you know, mm -hmm. who knows where the show is going to lead her character. Uh, one comment I just wanted to make real quick about Edith, but a little sidetracked is when she finally does wolf out. I love that they were able to get that they kept her wolf like character with the colored hair. I just yeah. thought that it was so cool. <laughs> so cute. I loved it. Yeah. 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 But, it was, it was good. Yeah. But no, she's just such a good character. She's a very, she's a very necessary character for Wednesday mm -hmm. to have in her life, too. Um, yeah. to help change her perspective on people and to learn that, you know, there are people out there who do care. And Enid throughout the entire series is trying to express to Wednesday that she does care about her and she wants to be there for her and that this is what friends do. And Wednesday being Wednesday is pushing her away because she doesn't feel like she needs that. But, you know, yeah. as the series progresses, she learns she can't do it on her own. And like her, the friendship that even, uh, develops between her and Bianca, you know, kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um so and Eugene, I haven't I haven't really commented on Eugene yet, but you know, like you said, you know, Eugene is if it's not Enid, then Eugene is definitely her best friend in this show, you know, because I think she, even though Enid is the one who's more open and cheerful and wants to, you know, you know, be her best friend, I think she can relate more to Eugene on a personal level, just on the fact that they're both lone. They're both loners, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. And, oh. <clears throat> Sorry. So yeah. Oh, oh no, no, no. I was just wrapping that up, anyways. Uh. So, but yeah, I think that uh, she has a very, very. Despite the fact that they're all outcasts, they're all so different from each other, and she mm -hmm. has such a such a developed and very uh open group of friends now and different and people she can rely on and i think that i think that's a great thing so what i think is, is like i see you wednesday sees some of herself in eugene you know she says pugsley but i think she sees some of mm -hmm. herself in eugene whereas enid is her foil character right yeah. we can't have wednesday's oh, sure. growth without enid being yep as mm -hmm. different from her as possible so yes, if those are exactly. her two best friends it's her discovering herself and also her discovering like others and differences around her yes. and how to integrate that into her life absolutely you know, she had no friends at the other school you know we we as at least as far as we can tell right she seemed very isolated right. and here is this opportunity like someone is trying to be her friend Right. And even Eugene is trying to be her friend when she's just like at the point where she's like, yeah, just, you know, tell Weems that, that this is me or, you know, that I've been out here or whatever. But the truth of the matter is she really like does like Eugene's openness allows her to see herself a bit more and understand who she is. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. why he's like a true friend. So, yeah. Yeah. We love Eugene. We love Eugene. We love, Eugene. We love Enid. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love, I love Enid. I thought she was that perfect kind of counter to Wednesday. And it's like, and again, you know, in terms of like, what's kind of predictable, you know, right away, Enid goes in for a hug and like that first episode, oh, 
not a hugger. So you just mm-hmm. knew by the end of the season, they were going to hug. And <laughs> while you knew it was coming, they, I loved how it was just, it was perfect for them. They, they get reunited. Yeah. Obviously Enid goes in for the big hug first and then kind of pulls apart. And then Wednesday pulls her in for a hug mm-hmm. and that the way Wednesday is embracing her and kind of buries her head kind of into Enid's neck of that. I'm so glad you're safe. Thank you so much. That love and appreciation and that friendship and that closeness and that accepting Enid for who Enid is and what Enid brings to the friendship table. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That, right. That, that little hug said so much. And like I said, it's like, you knew it was coming, but when it hits, even after the fourth time, you're just like, it's so beautiful. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So true. So true. And, and yeah, Enid and her parents, and I liked the parent day episode. And we get these little bits about some of the other characters like Enid, like Bianca. And it was interesting to see uh, Enid's family. The only, the only girl all these brothers, a mom that's very, very pushy, very, very insistent on doing these, you know, wolfing out being, you know, and just being that Mm -hmm. kind of judgy type mom and having that strained relationship. And meanwhile, we have the very quiet and caring father. I wish we got a little bit more out of Enid's dad, but at the same time, I think what his approval and everything was short, sweet to the point and no elaboration needed his silence and his sort of being the like where the mother is the the very dominant assertive parent we get a really great insight into their family dynamic without Mm -hmm. him having to say a lot and even just Mm -hmm. the brothers who are out like playing and being wild and this and that and how different Enid is from them and she's much more reserved and then you see that with the father it's like okay, I understand the bigger picture here. You don't, like, even just having the mother, you would get a a bit of that, but the picture is so much clearer seeing the whole Mm -hmm. family there at that day. Right, right. And, you know, the way that I actually uh, took all that is, you know, because they're they're a wolf pack, you know? So I took his silence as a sign of uh, her mother being the alpha of their pack, you know, mm-hmm. and him just, if he were to speak up, you know, it could result in him being deserted by the pack. Um, so that's just kind of the way that that's the way I perceived it. But, you know, then there was that moment at the end of the parents day where she walks away and he finally gets that like just few seconds alone with his daughter. He gives her a hug, you know, gives her a little, you know, gives her a little smirk or whatever. And, you know, basically lets her know everything's going to be okay mm-hmm. but he may he makes sure to do it when when you know his wife is not looking because i feel like had he done that otherwise she probably wouldn't have approved because she, enid is not meeting what she requires from the pack and i'm just seeing this strictly from like a true tr- a pure like animal what what it might be like you know from an animal's perspective you know you know mm-hmm. they leave they leave the weak behind but I hope we get more of them in season two. I would love to actually get more of her, more of Enid's background with her and her family. I think that would be kind of, kind of neat to watch and witness. Yeah. That's my favorite thing about the TV shows is that we do get this background. Like I think um, 
I think Bianca's mom is going to have a much bigger role in the second season. Mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine they, they have to be the bad guys, right? Like that, that cult, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, because you can't have the same story happening again. You need to have a different mystery to solve, right? Mm-hmm. It's not actually the Scooby King where every week we pull off the mask and find that it was the real estate agent all along. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I also quick I side love note, loved the little like Scooby-Doo reference. Uh, the sheriff tells Wednesday that, you know, she's not, you know, they're not the Scooby-Doo gang. And then like a couple scenes later, uh, Eugene falls and he's looking for his glasses. That made me chuckle. I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go back real quick to Tyler and Xavier and kind of the big twist and reveal of the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, as we've said, they're they're both pretty meh. I, I question really the necessity of kind of these two. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I get it, but it's like, I I guess I still just was not, clear as to why Wednesday was so standoffish with Xavier when they had history they had met before she literally saved his life and now she just can't push him away fast enough and yet then there's this attraction to Tyler who's not at Nevermore as far as she knows is a normie and yet is still expressing interest in her so could that be why she was a bit more drawn to it was like a rebellion Right. Like it was okay. Yeah. It was outside of what someone would expect for her. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I, I don't know. Look, I, d- yeah. I did not see a reason <laughs> like to befriend them both or to like befriend me them both is fine. But like as love interest, I just didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't see how she made that transition mm-hmm. for one or the other as like a romantic interest or like how they were. I, I I don't know that that was a part that I definitely struggled with. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what did you think of the uh, Tyler Xavier Wednesday triangle? Um. Well, I thought one Xavier was just he was too pushy for me. Like he it was just like, bro, get it, you know, get the hint. Um, <laughs> and. <laughs> It's no just, means no. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Tyler, I mean, I guess I could kind of say the same thing for Tyler too, but the difference is, is that no, she did express more of an attraction to Tyler than she did to Xavier. But as far as their like overall necessity to the show goes, I, like you said, Jen, I get it. I, I get why they had those characters in there and why they were interested in Wednesday the way they were and why they were doing the things they were, but it's just like it, it just felt like it was too much, you know, and in my opinion, especially on Xavier's end, you know, like she said, no means no. Like I would have been OK with him being portrayed like as, you know, you know, oh, hey, I have a, I have a crush on this girl. I'm going to go ask her out. Sorry, dude, I'm not interested. OK, well, then let's just try to be friends. You know, that that could have been OK. But and it still like, would have worked. Yeah, yeah. It would have worked. But then like there's the whole part of the dance where yes. Bianca where he asked Bianca to wipe her his memory or use her use her siren song on yeah. him to help him forget her. It's like, dude, you just met this girl like two months ago at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. It's oh, like, teenagers. Come on, guy. Yeah, right? oh, teenagers. <laughs> you know, and Bianca was in the right, was like, you Absolutely. know, by telling him that who the you know, who like what the fuck kind of request is that? You know, what? it's just 
that's when I like, I mean, I never disliked Bianca, but that was like that moment solidified Bianca as amazing to me because she's sure. just like, I'm not doing that for like, I'm not giving in to you and your wants as a male in this world. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that to like Wednesday either. And I'm not going to do that to myself mm-hmm. because right. what, what does that do? Like I had so much respect for her in that moment. Like, cause it's an easy thing for a young teen girl to be like, okay, whatever will make you happy, you know? And mm-hmm. she doesn't play with that. And then I really oh, appreciate that. <laughs> and you know, what really also, what also really bothered me um, was literally at like, in like the last, five minutes of the last episode when Xavier gives her a cell phone and I mean all right come on that first off that's fucking weird okay that is weird weird. the girl obviously said you know at the beginning said that she doesn't like being tied down to technology thinks she thinks that it she thinks that it corrupts people's brains or however however she worded it and dude gives her a cell phone like I know, I know you're never going to call me, but m- maybe we'll text, you know, it's just like, dude, yeah. how are you not giving it up? Give that it was up. not an eye roll. That was a whole head roll <laughs> yeah. on my head. Just, head I think oh Bex's eyes just popped right out. And just I think her neck, I think her neck popped out of place. There yeah. Yeah. I definitely got a little crack in there when I look back. A little chiropractic oh. adjustment with yeah. that. You know, at least with Tyler, at least with Tyler, there was a whole plan there behind the scenes, you know, between mm-hmm. with him and Thornhill. You know, at least that was something that was going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and yeah. I got that they wanted us wanted to throw us off the track is because it's like, oh well, obviously the love interest is the one who's actually the the problem, the bad guy, the whatever. So you got to have two of them so that the audience really doesn't know which one of the two it's going to be. But you've got to write it better. Yeah. Right? I will. I will so say. The, <laughs> I will say the whole thing with like uh, that I thought was kind of clever was you know Xavier having all the paintings of uh, of the hide in, in his little uh, his little workshop. I thought that was kind of a little bit that was kind of a clever twist to make you think it was him. Mm-hmm. But you know. Other than that, there really wasn't much more to it for me. Yeah, I thought it was way too obvious them trying to paint uh, Xavier as the one that was the monster. And sure. it was like in one of the early, earlier episodes, towards the end of the episode, um, Wednesday is talking and it's, you know, it's a kind of a monologue over different various shots of some of the different characters. And she talks about how, you know, monsters are everywhere, right as the same, right at the same time, we get a shot of Tyler in the bathtub screaming. And even from the first watch, I was like, it's him. Mm, (laughs) There was something. And, and, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent, but that was a moment where I was like, that seems like some very heavy handed foreshadowing. I think Anastasia predicted that it was him by like the third episode. Cause Mm. I think in the, that's, I think that's when that Mm -hmm. scene happens is actually in the third episode. Okay. But there was still kind of enough that let, left me going like, well, there's still a chance that it's not. Um, Maybe they're making a double twist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then there was just those couple of times where directly after a high ta- hide attack and Xavier's there trying to be like, how did you get here so fast? And then the obvious planting of all the evidence in his shed. I'm like, it's clearly not him. <laughs> and I was a yeah. little disappointed <laughs> in Wednesday for 
falling for all the planted evidence. But I also mm -hmm. thought that that was a really clever way to show her desperation and trying to solve this case and prevent more people from being murdered mm -hmm. and, and really risking the like the livelihood of not just everyone, but like her friends and the people she cared about. She doesn't want another Eugene. And even though her, <laughs> her issues that she had with Kimbot, I mean, I doubt she wanted her to die like that. So yeah, yeah. But yeah. So yeah. So again, it wasn't a gigantic shock, but I think Thornhill's, um, because I guess I wasn't really expecting Christina Ricci's character to play any kind of villainous role, but I guess that's her casting is a bit obvious. It's very like a law and order when there's a celebrity guest, they're the ones that did it. So, <laughs> well, I will say that I didn't really think of like, again, they did the same thing between her and the therapist that they did mm -hmm. with Xavier and Tyler, right? That the, the two of them, it was like, well, maybe this one is involved. Maybe that one is involved. And they're, there was a point in the show when I was like, okay, yes, she's clearly involved in some capacity, but it wasn't in the first couple episodes, right? Like mm -hmm. her, her involvement, it wasn't until they like went into the house and, and got the, the little uh, jewelry box or whatever it was. Um, and, and then it's like, okay, so they show up at the therapist and the therapist is like, I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> You're like, okay, well then clearly it's Christina Ricci's character. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing that's really still kind of confuses me and maybe one of you can put it more into perspective because, um, even watching it the second time around, I just still didn't get it. So when Eugene was explaining to, um, Wednesday when he was in the hospital about what he saw when he, that night at the cave and the night of the dance, and he said after the explosion, he didn't get a he didn't get a good look at the person that was there, but he got a look at their boots and saw that, you know, the person was wearing red boots, obviously hinting at Thornhill. What confuses me, though, is wasn't she simultaneously at the dance at the exact same time? Like, when did she break away to go and find time to break away and go and do that while she was chaperoning the dance? That is what really is confusing me. And I don't know if that's just poor planning on, you know, the creators parts, you know, on the showrunners for uh, editing it that way. And maybe but that's where one of the changes. So maybe that because you're right, because I was thinking about it this last time. So at the dance, Eugene goes ahead and, you know, Wednesday goes to the dance with Tyler and everything. And then mm -hmm. we have our carry moment. And they don't specifically show, but she bumps into somebody and she has the vision of Eugene and Eugene hasn't been attacked yet. So I think right. at this point, Thornhill could possibly be at the cave or making her way, making her way back to the dance from the cave. Upon rewatch, it does appear that she bumps into like behind Tyler because of how she moved away from him when she realized that it wasn't real blood. It was paint. Um, she walks past him. So now Tyler's behind her and she bumps into him. And cause I was like, how does she get that vision of Eugene being attacked by the hive? If she's just bumping into a rando. So, so Anastasia, I think just overheard me <laughs> and she just sent me a text message <laughs> and she pointed out that, uh, Thornhill actually ran back when the paint uh, was coming down and she appeared to be out of breath. So yeah. maybe that was the sign. Yeah. So yeah, we but... don't see Thornhill throughout the entire dance. We see her at the beginning and then after the the paint falls. So she yeah, right. really did have, you know, I guess plenty of time to get make it there. Cause yeah, I don't huh. recall seeing her. I'm gonna have to go back and watch dance. that scene again to to hit the the timing of it and everything. Like because even 
the f- the vision is what she sees that gets her visions happen before the events happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't recall the order of the events in terms of when Thornhill comes back and is there with with her. But, yeah, I guess it would make sense. It was funny because when I saw that scene and you saw the shadow, I thought it was the mayor ah. <laughs> who set fire oh. to the to the thing. So I and thought that would have made sense, too. Sure. Because she also showed up with Wednesday, right? She came up shortly after she came up behind Wednesday, kind of like on the heels. But yeah, but then that doesn't fit with with Eugene saying I saw red boots. Right. So that it 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 had to have been Thornhill there. Yeah, it wasn't like she could send someone in advance or something. I don't know. So what I'm thinking is that so the dance starts and whenever the last time we see Thornhill like on screen, that's when she leaves to head towards uh, the cave. And that's when Eugene sees her blow up the cave. And during that time is Wednesday's really awesome dance sequence. Um, that's super fun and then has its own little reference to the original series which was super cute I loved it and it's a blink if you miss it and then the blood rains let's see and then Wednesday has her vision because I'm pretty sure she bumps into Tyler because then we don't see Tyler after that so Tyler now has plenty of time to run out towards wherever Eugene is and at the same time Thornhill's running up Eric as you said out of breath kind of like what's going on Mm -hmm. um and then that's when Wednesday's like Eugene is in danger and she heads out. And I think she shows up right after Eugene is attacked or right as he's being attacked. Right. Um, and then and then that's when Thornhill comes up shortly after and is like, oh, my God, is he dead? Um, yeah, you're <laughs> kind right. Kind of an overreact, right. <laughs> like in a bit yeah. of overdramatics. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that's how that timeline can work. But OK. Yeah, I definitely want to go back and check it out now, though, like, mm-hmm. and, and specifically watching for that aspect of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah, sure. And it's, yeah. So and then because let's see, there was another bit of foreshadowing in, listed within the IMDb trivia about Thornhill's involvement. It says that Thornhill wears a red scarf at the mayor's funeral. Um, but then I noticed, too, that Thornhill's also wearing red gloves, indicating that the blood is on her hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> so then so then we find out the big twist. And yes, Thornhill is Laurel Gates. Tyler is the high because his mom was also mm-hmm. at Nevermore and was also one of these outcast types. I also really appreciate the line of Weems being like, yes, I knew his mother. She was a lovely woman. I never asked what she identified as. Um, <laughs> that was just kind of a really kind of cute, quick tongue in cheek comment about, I guess, kind of where we're at as a society. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then we find out that it's Thornhill's controls Tyler because of kind of the, the beast that he is now some of this is still a little confusing for me but what did you guys think of kind of this twist thornhill's involvement and then ultimately the ending with with tyler being captured and then presumably escaping hiding out when he was in the uh hiding out. In, yeah and hiding out <laughs> uh, yeah, because she he can't 
the idea is, is that he can't do that unless she commands it, right? Um, she has because she she's basically in control of the hide. So it's um God, I didn't think about that really at all until you just brought it up. But now he has because he says at first he couldn't remember. And it was right. a matter of like Thornhill trying to gain her control and manipulation or whatever over him. But now sure. he does remember when he when he changes and right. he does seem to have some control over it. Like it doesn't need to be Thornhill commands that he transforms, but he can. Yeah, maybe started that way. But he, as he's yeah. developed his skills with changing, he's he can now do it on himself. his own. OK, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I could buy that. But um, they, I mean, they escaped together, we assume, right? Like, they, they both, I, I don't know, in my mind, they're meeting up somewhere yeah. <laughs> down, down the road after he escapes. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't I know. Assume... Is she coming back next season? Do we, do we have any indication if, if Christina Ricci will be back? <laughs> yeah, that I don't know. I had, I did hear the rumor that Angelica Houston is joining the cast. Maybe mm-hmm. she'll be the new Weems. Yep, as mm-hmm. that's the rumors yep. that she'll be the new Weems. Um, and that was so sad. I was not prepared to have Weems die. I don't know, but I really liked her, and that was a bummer. And I think I was just disappointed in how yeah. it happened. <laughs> well, you're too busy with Sandman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fighting the fighting dream. Uh, God, that show's so good. It is. But yeah. So okay. So Tyler. Because I guess I didn't really think that Tyler was also going to hide out and then also go get Thornhill and release her or whatever and have them escape together. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just my yeah. headcanon. Yeah, no. And that's a good point. I, I hadn't really thought of that. So now it's just but it's like, you, you know, we talked about like season two has to be different. It can't be this again. So mm-hmm. what are they going to do now if I mean, it's obviously going to have to be something wrapped up quickly so they can move on to whatever the plot. Yeah, I would hate for them to is. have to re- have to repeat the same storyline twice. You I know? wouldn't think they would, but yeah. it's where where do you go from that? So sure, sure. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know. I, well, you know what? We'll have to wait and see in 2024. Oh, so long. <laughs> it is so, so far long. Away. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, they're going to be graduated from Nevermore and in their first year of college or something but <laughs> i like that it's in new hampshire though <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think if i if i understand though the 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 season two is going to premiere in like early 24 like within the first quarter of the new year so even though it's a while we won't have to wait too long so i'm tired of waiting i get so sick of tired uh, of waiting in between um oh but what did you guys think of like this age-old racist misogynist coming back from the dead to do away with the outcasts. Oh. <laughs> Who was the? I don't I'm know. Drawing, I'm trying to blank here, Jen. What was his, his name? name? Old man, racist Gates. Old man, racist Gates. Yeah, that's that sounds Crock, about right. Crackpot. <laughs> <laughs> Crackpot. Crack. Crack Hill. Crackstone. Crackstone. Crack 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 there we go. We got there. <laughs> we got there. Crackstone. <laughs> It was a great um, effort. Good job. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's just that he's like, oh, d- d- down with the outcast, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to use my magic scepter to do the job. You know, the guy was the guy was like an undead evil wizard. So in a way, he, he just 
I don't know. I, I I don't buy. I didn't buy it in the end because in the end he really wasn't outcast himself. He had powers, you know. Um, I, yeah. I I don't know. He Crackstone was... was really kind of at the bottom of my radar when it came to this entire show. Like he was there. Yeah, the prophecy was there where she was going to save or whatever Nevermore from this evil old bigot but in the end it just kind of started it just kind of happened and then it just kind of ended you know but i will say with the power of friendship and trust bianca came in and helped save the day and that was pretty fucking cool okay <laughs> yep yeah i i was really just kind of like i kind of forgot about him <laughs> through our whole discussion today. like i mean obviously when you're watching it you you know and it's it's there but like he's so inconsequential uh-huh. to the whole storyline like yep. yeah it 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 has all these twists with the prophecy and this and that and you're like oh what's gonna happen what and then what happens is like okay he gets taken out the end like right. <laughs> whatever I, think, I feel like the showrunners tried really hard to get us to kind of like focus on that part of the series but for me that was like the hardest thing for me to focus on was just that 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 whole side of the show um, now granted i actually loved uh the character of goody adams i thought mm-hmm. she was you know she was really cool mm-hmm. um and her story about how you know she originally brought down crackstone she used blood magic to be able to seal him in that tomb so I thought that was all really cleverly written, but just the, his character did nothing for me. You know, mm-hmm. I was more invested in the hide than I was in, you know, the pilgrim wizard, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call him. <laughs> pilgrim wizard. I like that. <laughs> so for me personally, Crackstone. Although I guess to help move along the story, I understand the necessity of bringing in that that you know br- bringing in that uh, uh, that subplot. It's in the end, that's all it really was. Is it was just a subplot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really have anything written down about him, but I was like, well, since he was you know the the prophecy and one of the big bads of the season, we should maybe I don't know at least name drop him. So okay, and we've done that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so season two, as we said, is coming hopefully sooner than later. What would you guys like to see or any theories on what season two could possibly bring for this fresh Wednesday? Hmm. I mean, again, I'm going back to the Bianca's mom and that cult sort mm-hmm. of being the the big bads of season two. Um, I'd like to see Pugsley mm-hmm. at the school. I don't know yeah. if if the way they cast it, if he's like old enough to be there yet, oh, but sure. I'd like to see some more of him involved. And, and of course, yeah. more Eugene, less Tyler and Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I think my only like actual plot prediction is about the, the cult being the bad guys. Sure. Right on Eric. Um, well, I hope the rumors are true and that Angelica Houston is coming on to play the new headmaster at Nevermore. I think that would be great as I love the idea of them just bringing back, you know, the the cat, you know, people from the movie. So I think that would be really cool if that if that happened. As far as other more broader predictions about the story itself, um, I think Bex is right. I think we're going to get more from 
the cult that Bianca's mother is a part of. I think that is going to play a significant role in season two. How? I have no idea, but we'll learn about that as the show, you know, as the show moves on. And I didn't think about it, but she brings up another good point is uh, Pugsley. I would love to see Pugsley maybe coming into Nevermore and getting him out of fucking public, so the public school system where he's just being tortured by bullies, you know? Right? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Morticia. Come on. <laughs> come on, Gomez. Get him out of there. <laughs> yeah, like they're so busy worrying about like Wednesday's troubling behavior that he's kind of getting ignored uh, almost. <laughs> like he's up uh, front with Lurch in Pugsley, the car. And Pugsley- and Pugsley is yeah. obviously very, and Pugsley is obviously a very like uh, uh, emotional character in the sense where you know he doesn't he doesn't deal well with this with those kind of social dynamics and where he's in this public school system. So, you know, seeing him in an environment that's probably more accepting of him would be really cool. And then uh, I think lastly, I would like to not get a whole lot more, but I would like to get a little more family. You know, I don't want it to focus on the Adamses, but I would like to get more than two episodes with Morticia and Gomez. What we got was great, and I love Gomez's backstory and uh, how he supposedly killed that guy, and it was really Morticia. But I would love to see just more involvement from them somehow, some way. So. Oh, yeah. no, sorry. Go ahead. Finish up. Oh, I was done. I was done. Okay. What were you going to say? Oh, well, no, because you were talking about Angelica Houston being in there and that idea of bringing back like old, uh, like people, people who portrayed yeah. them in the previous iterations. Sure. And I was like, what if we could get like Lisa Loring, who did uh, <laughs> the original Wednesday Adams in the TV? I don't know if she does acting oh, at all man. anymore, but like oh. that would be cool. Like man. just a quick cameo, right? That yeah. would be really fun. Uh, <laughs> that maybe have cool. her come in as like a new teacher or something like that. Well, that would yeah. be cool. Yeah. Sure. I love that idea. Well, um, and I was or- thinking- or I was thinking too, like with Granny, because in Adam's Family Values, oh, it's, yeah. it's the amazing Carol Kane. And I don't know, I think I'd be okay with Carol Kane coming back as Granny. <laughs> That'd be the only, like, same the only one for one. Yep. <laughs> and then, um, you, then you bring in, um, oh, what's her name? Who played Debbie? Oh, so I actually I was just oh, looking at her name um, is Mercedes McNabb. Oh, no, no. Joan Cusack. Joan, Joan Cusack. Cusack. That's who Joan I'm thinking of. She Debbie. played Debbie in the Pestels? Adam's Family Values. Oh, darn. Fest, uh, Fester's love interest. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh. Sorry, actually... Debbie. No Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's good. I love it. <laughs> Even just for quick cameos, right? Like, they don't have to be in the series like full like Christina Ricci was but even if they just come in for one episode where it's like a substitute teacher or a townsperson or you know someone uh, Pilgrim World did that burn down I forget but but you know who I would love to actually see appear on this series Hmm. Uh, the person who I mentioned before Mercedes McNabb who played Amanda in uh, the Adams Family Values and have her come back as like one of the town normies she's a townsperson people like a normie mom who is a girl scout troop leader yes. and yes. they are selling Dude. cookies <laughs> yes oh man oh see, i we, love that we, we've got it we'll we'll go ahead and take care of the second season Netflix, so. if you're listening <laughs> take notes <laughs> 
All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get started on our Midwest goodbye. And that's where we spend the next 40 minutes trying to wrap up this recording, this episode. (laughs) But we'll go ahead and start with our stray bubble. So this is the last opportunity for us to bring up any notes, fun facts, Mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, Bex, you've got anything left? I I don't know that I do. Like I said, I I think my big thing is uh, I love the cameos and I think that would be great. Um, actually, I have one thing, but it's kind of dark. I don't know if I want to do it. Um, but I, I read something about like some allegations against one of the younger actors about like sexual stuff. Like, I think uh, not on the set, but like when he, like people have come forward about it. Oh, so I don't know if you want to put that in because I don't know details about it. To be perfectly honest, I don't know details about it. I just saw that one. Someone mentioned it to me in passing yesterday when I was like, oh, I'm going to be on a podcast talking about this. And like, are you going to mention this? And I'm like, wait, what? Huh. So but I didn't I didn't really look into it too much. I don't know if they're going to do anything with that. I don't know what the, the stipulations are. But on the fun things, fun facts, because this is fun facts, not like depressing facts. Counter facts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I'm looking forward to seeing casting choices come out in the next year to see like what they're going to play with. And and I look forward to a, a new mystery. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Eric. Well, uh, this will bring me to actually my last talking point that I had. So we actually pretty much covered like everything that I had written down for the most part, except for one thing. And I'm surprised it hasn't gotten brought up. So I titled this talking about Wednesday Adams broke the internet. <laughs> and oh, good point. <laughs> I don't think that we can really not talk about how the dance and just the incredible influence it had on just modern day internet pop culture. Thousands and thousands of recreations all over tiktok youtube facebook all social medias and whatever just recreating that dance how cool is that dude i just think that is so cool and what's even cooler is jenna ortega if i understand correctly just pretty much made it up as she went along like she choreographed choreographed it it. jinx well (laughs) well (laughs) that is just so so awesome it was like inspired by um, something from the original series of Adam's family combined with like the mm-hmm. dance culture of yeah. like the punk rock scene is something like Scott, that. Emo. Scott. Yeah. So, like, and kind so, of, but then she made it her own, like yes. you said. So yeah. there's a, uh, during the dance, there's a blink and you'll miss it moment yeah. where she actually does uh, pay tribute to the original dance. And it's just this little small shimmy that she makes with her leg where she it's moves that forward. It's James and moves... Brown. Yeah. She does the, the, like with the feet kind of shimmy shuffle or whatever. And it goes, and, and literally it goes by it's in a, a blink snap. Yep. Yeah. But it's so cool that she took the time to choreograph that into her, into the dance, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just think it's really awesome that, something like that had such an influence on its viewers that they felt the need to just recreate it for whether it's for themselves, for their followers, you know, mm-hmm. I just thought it was really, I thought it was neat. <laughs> I didn't think that's where you were going. I thought you were going to talk about how it beat out season four of stranger things in terms of viewership. 
You know, actually, <laughs> I, when we were talking about Eugene before, I was thinking, I wonder what a conversation between Dustin and Eugene would be like. I wonder <laughs> if that would be a good conversation. But they would talk about some pretty neat things. I just see Steve <laughs> adopting Eugene, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, great, another mouth to feed. <laughs> I love Daddy Steve. Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't? You know? But I would... And I would love to see Eugene sick a whole entire thing of bees on a demogorgon or just, or, or <laughs> it just be so yes. cool. That would be, that would be, I would love to Take see this, that. Take this, Vecna. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Hopper's reaction to all of that. Oh, the mashup we need. <laughs> oh, love it. Yeah. Someone write that fanfic. <laughs> yes, oh, <man>. please. <laughs> Oh, let's see. I don't think I have a whole heck of a lot left. Um, I would like to see some more of the young Morticia and Gomez because I mm -hmm. thought those casting choices were very, very good. And I looked it up and I don't have, I'm sorry, I don't have the actress's name, but the actress that played young Morticia, it appears that this is her first role, okay. like television role. Oh, so really? there was not, wasn't anything else uh, on her IMDb credits. She and did I great. was like, what an amazing first yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. So, Iconic. To take on such an like, yeah, it's like, what just take on this character? That's mm -hmm. that's huge. I would say the only beef I had with the younger version of Morticia and Gomez was that Morticia wasn't taller enough than Gomez. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like that was <laughs> kind of gross. Like visually, they fit really well. I thought they were visually cast well, and their attitudes were cast like they they carried the persona. And obviously you can't just find people of those heights all the time like that. But I was just like, oh, you know, they're they're too close to the same height. Like she's supposed to be a good foot taller than mm -hmm. and it's not all heels. No. <laughs> so I yeah, maybe she has a, another growth spurt to hit. Yeah. Who knows? But <laughs> uh let's see. One thing I had written down as maybe possible foreshadowing is at one point it's Wednesday, Enid and Tyler, and I think they're breaking into the Gates house or something. And Tyler goes to try and knock down the door, break down the door, and he can't. Enid does it, no problem. And she's like, it's a werewolf thing. And then we see in the last episode that we have a showdown between Tyler in Hyde form and Enid in werewolf form. And for someone who just transforms into a werewolf, she kicked major ass she, she drop kicked the hide she, oh my awesome. god by the <laughs> end of that and after they transformed back into their human form i honestly didn't know if tyler was alive that kid looked <laughs> fucking dead yeah right so, yeah, um, go yeah. enid go enid <laughs> so i loved that and i think there i felt like there was maybe one more like tiny hint that enid is stronger than really where she's at or what she's what they're kind of showing us but one other little fun fact about Enid is that her nails, her fingernail polish matches mm -hmm. the fingernail polish from the Ice Road Trucker plotline from De from the first season of Dexter. So those that know Dexter oh, and know really? that plotline, um, okay. we'll, we'll get that one. So yeah, I thought that dude, was I kind of a cool little nod. And, the, and all my fun facts are from imdb so if someone yeah is out there posting lies on the internet how dare you <laughs> that's trust not what the internet everything. is everything yeah <laughs> supposed to trust everything you read on the internet aren't you <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yeah that's it oh yeah and then the actor that played portrayed thing in this series is a magician 
And the actor that portrayed Thing in the 90s movies was also a magician. So, Oh, cool. I don't know. I thought that was kind of magical. I guess that That's makes cool. sense, though, right? It's, it's like all I, about hand acting and performing. So. Yeah, and that kind of agility. And so I thought it's like, interesting. Yeah. Choice. yeah. All right. So on to the next segment of the Midwest Goodbye is the Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage. Wednesday edition. So we are going to get from this show to Nicolas Cage in six steps or less. And who would like to go first? I'll go first. All right. I just hope you don't take my. (laughs) There's always that fear when you go into this segment of the show. I only planned one. So (laughs) I only did one too. I thought mine was a little. So it it didn't take me too long to put this together, but I wanted to really go off of uh, more of a secondary character instead of one of the main characters to see where I could get. I kind of challenged myself a little bit and it wasn't as difficult as I thought, but it was kind of cool. So for mine, the actor uh, Ricky Lindholm, who plays Dr. Kinbot. Mm-hmm. So it turned out that she starred as an extra in five different episodes of the Gilmore Girls. So okay. again, bringing it all back to Gilmore Girls here. All she back to Kirk. No, you're thinking of you're you're thinking of Lulu, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, girl, yeah, <laughs> it's been a but, minute since I watched. Those. So. She was like, she was literally just an extra, you know, one of the non-speaking roles. But still, she was there. And of course, in the show is Sean Gunn, who plays Kirk, who just so happened to also star in several Marvel movies. But one in particular, of course, is Marvel Endgame, which also starred Don Cheadle, who also starred in the movie The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Very cool. Nice. I like that. That's good. Yeah. I went with bigger names. I think. <laughs> right on. <laughs> um, so I started with Catherine Zeta Jones. Um, she is in um, Oceans Twelve. Okay. Oh, okay. With Julia Roberts, who is in Valentine's Day, with Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel was in Seventh Heaven with Catherine Hicks. And Catherine Hicks was in Peggy Sue Got Married with Nicolas Cage. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God. That was, that was amazing. And back to one of my one. favorite Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> it's one of the few that I've seen. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love it. Those were both so good, you guys. Okay. So I did too because I just can't fucking help myself. Um, and, and Bex, you started with Catherine Zeta Jones. And so as you're reading, you got nervous. Off, I, I got saw nervous. your face. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I started with Catherine Zeta Jones. Uh, she was in the movie Red 2 with Bruce Willis, who is oh, married, nice. who was married to Demi Moore, who was in Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with Nicolas Cage. All right. Perfect. Uh, the other one that I did, I just went with Queen Christina Ricci. Uh, who was in Black Snake Moan with Samuel L. Jackson, who was in The Kingsman with Sophia Boutella, who was in Prisoners of the Ghostland with Nicolas Cage. So, Oh, that's a good one. And then I, I almost did Jenna Ortega because uh, she was in Iron Man 3 with Robert Downey Jr. And then from there, you can go the Avengers, Samuel L. Jackson, yada, yada route. So My husband did one with her, too, because he was like, here's one for you, because he likes to, to play along, too. And I forget exactly what it was, but it was... It was Jenna Ortega was in X with he's over here. So I'm going to get like with what with Mia Goth. Okay. Who was in Suspiria with Tilda Swinton. 
and oh, Tilda Swinton was in adaptation yeah. with Nicolas Cage. There you go. There's another one from my hey, husband. The bonus one. one. Yay. Thanks, Mr. Mr. Bex. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Mr. Bex. <laughs> He's got a thumbs up. <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. That was awesome. So, all right. Well, we'll go ahead and yeah, just hit up the last little bit. The uh, what's been streaming in your bubble. Uh, Bex, what have you been into as of late? Well, we just started watching Last of Us, so we've seen the the first two episodes. I'm not familiar with the video game, uh, so I'm going into it blind, which I'm enjoying. And um, we're kind of like in between a lot of shows. So um, my husband had already watched this, but we're going back and watching Yellow Jackets now. Mm -hmm. uh, we've just watched the first two episodes of those. And because we never watched it when it came out, and was streaming for free, and now you have to pay for it on streaming. Uh, I went to the library and rented Knives Out, so we're going to watch that sometime this week. Oh, nice! <laughs> right on. So those are those are kind of the big things right now. Cool. Are you going to watch Glass Onion when you're done with Knives Out? Yeah, and hopefully we catch it before you have to pay for that one. Too. <laughs> no, hopefully not, because it was put out by Netflix. But yeah, yeah really good movies. Still, you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what we keep hearing. So we're like, well, we might as well do it. <laughs> we're really into the whole whodunits uh, uh, story, uh, story. So yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, fun. Nice. And Eric, what have you been streaming in your bubble? <laughs> like I mentioned other than earlier, Gilmore Girls. just okay. Well, other than <laughs> Gilmore Girls for the second time, um, let's see. Uh, Last of Us, just like the rest of the world right now, I've been uh enjoying that. I am familiar with the game, so I've been very, very pleased with uh how this how the uh show has been portrayed so far. I'm also nearly caught up on this show that Adam actually intro introduced me to called Tulsa King, starring Sylvester Stallone as a uh released mobster after 25 years in prison okay. um and him trying to uh just kind of get used to modern society so it's really it's a pretty interesting uh, uh show what else there is something else oh my gosh but i can't think of what it is i feel like this happens every time i ask this question <laughs> That's why I write that down uh, <laughs> uh, I, really, I really should start I, I never do you know what? Those are probably actually really the big ones that I'm streaming right now. Um, other than that, probably just some random episodes of like Great British Baking Show and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Very cool. Well, I have yet to start The Last of Us, but I kind of want I've been kind of thinking about maybe doing like a watch and record kind of mini bubbles for that one for the podcast. But it's now also a matter of just making sure finding the time to do that and getting those edited and done but until that happens uh let's see hubby and i just finished uh strange new worlds star trek strange new worlds and i totally fucking love it i might be just a wee bit obsessed with it and i kind of want to start rewatching it immediately it was it was so good it's so much fun i love the characters the actors uh, the depiction of some of these more familiar named characters and it's just I, I love how it feels new and fresh but also like familiar and kind of cozy in that sense so so yeah I'm very very pleased with it I love it so much and I'm just I'm ready for season two like right now other than that we've got like Bad Batch and yeah I think that's kind of it really for now I've got I've got some time this week, so I might I might start something. 
but I'm not sure yet what yet because there's still okay. a lot that I need to I feel like there's a lot of stuff that's just about to come out yeah so like I'm I'm waiting on the release like moon girl and devil dinosaur mm, I'm very yeah. excited for that <laughs> but no, it's not it's not out yet so yeah well until then I want to thank Bex and Eric thank you guys so much for joining me today and coming to me with this show suggestion and then being down to be on at the same time and just diving deep and fan gushing and just Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And I think yeah. I finally got it all off my chest after four watches. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Glad to be here. Yep. And um, for those that may remember from when Bex was on the podcast last time when we were talking about Bad Girls, Apple TV's Bad Girls season one, which you should Bad sisters. watch. <laughs> Bad sisters. I'm sorry. What, I said Bad Girls. <laughs> Thinking back to my trash reality show days. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that was one of them. Oh God, I couldn't. Bad Girls Club. Um, but yeah, Bad Sisters on Apple TV is an amazing show. We did an episode on it because it just had to be talked about and it still needs to be watched and talked about. So um, make sure you check that out. And then also Bex mentioned some of the podcasts that she's on and the one that I'm most familiar with is Big Reputation. So make sure you check out her podcast which can be found pretty much anywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's everywhere you like your podcasts. Excellent. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thank you, Bubblies, for listening. And keep streaming. Bye. 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 If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming. Sorry, Debbie. No Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it.